So we were at the zoo watching the gibbons, which are apes, and they're very cute. And I have very mixed feelings about going to the zoo and animals in cages. But there we were. We were at the zoo watching these gibbons, and they had a mom gibbon and her toddler. And the zoo had just adopted an infant, a baby gibbon from another zoo, and brought them into this family. So there there was the mom, her biological son, a toddler, and an adopted kind of newborn, very small baby. And we were watching this dynamic play out. And it was fascinating because what was happening was the toddler was jealous of this little baby. And he kept coming and tormenting him, teasing him, pushing him around, you know, taking his toys. They were playing with toys, with dolls and different rags. And every time the toddler came and annoyed the baby, the mom swooped down and gave him a piece of her mind. She wagged her finger at him, chased after him, and yelled at him. (laughs) That was my very best Gibbon impression. But bear with me, it was so relatable. Anyone who's ever brought home a newborn to a toddler, to a little kid, knows that feeling. Don't touch the baby. Don't you know, don't stroke the baby there. Don't do this. Don't do that. And this mom who had fully bonded with this adopted baby and was definitely treating him like her own was protecting him from the toddler. Um, whilst also, I, I must note, playing with the toddler. She was playing with him and she was giving him attention as well. But she had zero uh, inhibitions, zero worries about giving her a full piece of her mind essentially yelling at him, chasing him off, kind of telling him full-blown that he was not allowed to do that to the baby. And it got me really thinking about our role as parents. You're listening to The Parenting Junkie Show, the place to go to love parenting and to parent from love. I'm your host, Avital. Hi guys, if you're just meeting me for the first time, my name is Avital. I talk about mindful parenting and partnering. And in this episode, you're going to discover why you are an authority figure and why that is so crucial so that you can offer your children what they need and deserve from their parents and leaders, i.e. you. And stick with me till the end because I'm going to kind of break apart that Gibbon story, explain what I had learned from it. We're going to talk about Janet Lansbury. We're going to talk about why authority feels like a dirty word and what to think about it instead. So I think that this is such a crucial topic and I'm going to try and tease it apart as sensitively and as firmly as I can. Uh, And if something doesn't sit right with you with this or if with any of the work that I put out there, then just switch channels, you know, go watch Bad Lip Syncing on YouTube and you can thank me later for that recommendation. Um, Before we dive into this, I just have to shout out to all my incredible Bliss participants. I've just come back from a trip to Costa Rica where we held our first parenting junkie retreat uh, in the beautiful Bodhi Tree Yoga Resort. We were 18 families, 40 or so children, and it was just 
truly blissful. I am so grateful for how everything turned out and particularly grateful for my incredible team who made it possible. Um, They were just phenomenal, taking care of every single detail and the families that came, I mean, just each and every family, I learned so much from just wise, evolved, open, funny, down to earth, incredibly chill people. I couldn't have asked for a better group of people to come together and we really formed a community. So a huge shout out to all of you. Thank you so very much for taking the chance on me. I'm humbled, I'm grateful, and I cannot wait to do it again. So if you're not on my email list and you want to know when the next retreat will be, um, get on the email list and we will definitely let you know. And if you want the show notes to this episode, then they're over at theparentingjunkie.com forward slash 33. And I would so appreciate it if you share it out snap a selfie, tag me on Instagram, um, email it or message it to someone who might find it helpful. Anyone who struggles with permissive parenting, with a feeling that they don't know how to be a leader or an authority figure, will hopefully benefit from what I'm about to share. So let's go back to those gibbons in the zoo, okay? And you know, when I watch that mom, and this is of course, in a caged environment, so it's not fully in nature, but these animals are uninhibited by parenting books and by blogs and uninfluenced by cultural aspects of parenting. And so what I could see was just a very pure uh, parenting in action, right? What I took from it was that this mother was instinctually the authority figure in her family. She felt 100% comfortable and it was her instinct and her drive to uh, protect her younger child from the older child and to tell the older child what they may and may not do. She made no qualms about it, right? She didn't sugarcoat it. She wasn't worried about being the authority. She wasn't uncomfortable being the leader in her family. In fact, it was her instinct and her animal her animal instinct, right? Her absolute nature, 100% her nature, her uninhibited, uh, unselfconscious nature to be the authority figure in her family. So it was really cool to see this order of relationships without any cultural teachings, right? And it kind of reinforced this sense in me that it is my job as a mom to teach and to guide, right? And that includes telling my children that certain behaviors aren't acceptable, almost barking that at them, right? Now, as peaceful parents and as conscious parents, we want to choose kindness and compassion, and we're not trying to just go with our animal instincts. Life would look very different if we were only based on what was natural to humans as, you know, homo sapiens. And I totally am not advocating that we should yell at our children, that we should just lose it with them, that whatever comes naturally, that's good parenting. You guys know that I'm a big believer in reading the books and listening to the blog, reading the blogs, listening to the podcast, taking the courses. I am on a lifelong journey and trying to be a good parent and just a good person in general. I'm, I'm, I'm always trying to grow. So that's not what this is about. But this is about getting us more in touch with our animal instinct to parent to be a parent, i.e. a guide and a teacher and an authority figure. 
you know, recently I published something and I can't remember what it was, some video or podcast that I put out there. And I said something about how we are the authority in our children's lives. And someone wrote to me saying, isn't that a bit harsh? Isn't the word authority a bit harsh? And I think it isn't. I think we need to be our children's friends. We absolutely must be their friends and their parents, i.e. their leaders and the authority figures in their lives. And I know there's a lot of different, you know, cultural and political charges to the word authority, as there are to other words that we use, like attachment or obedience or even just parenting. There are so many different charges that we all come with from our own cultures. But in trying to distill, what do I mean by that, that we are the authorities? I'm going to try and break it down here. I don't think it's harsh. And I think one of the reasons we think of it as harsh is because of the very confusing terminology around parenting styles. So just as a refresher, or in case you haven't heard this, the authoritarian parenting style is that punitive parenting style. Authoritarian parenting style is says, because I said so, when I say jump, you jump. I am the parent. I am not your friend. You do as I say or else, right? That's the authoritarian parenting style. And none of us listening to this podcast want to be that type of parent, right? Not to be confused with the very similar term, but very different style, authoritative. Authoritative parenting style is that blend of very high expectations, just like the authoritarian parenting style, but also very high support and warmth. So authoritative parents, which is what I'm striving for, have boundaries, have limits, have expectations, but also are very calm, kind, connected, and peaceful in their communication. Very uh, very connected to their children and very warm and very supportive of their children. They don't just give arbitrary rules or punishments or rewards. Instead, they work with their children to help their children gain mastery and skills and compliance sometimes, or at least cooperation, which is what we're really striving for, creating collaborative uh, relationships, collaborative children. Um, So that's the authoritative parenting style. And note that they're both rooted in the word authority. One uses authority in a harsh way. One uses authority and says, if you don't listen to me, I'll inflict some kind of pain or punishment on you. The other uses authority as guidance and in a teaching way and doesn't use punishments or rewards, but instead uses a direct and peaceful parenting style where we set firm empathic limits. So it's both the firmness of the limit, but also the empathy and the kindness and the warmth. It's a model that most of us haven't seen in action, which is one of the reasons I did my role play videos and continue to create role play videos with Dr. Laura Markham, who embodies that firm empathy so very well and really spearheads this peaceful parenting and this authoritative style. But I think it's helpful to remember that our nature as parents, our very instincts, lead us to be an authority figure in our children's lives. And the trouble with not being an authority, with being uncomfortable with authority, is that at the end of the day, you are the guardian. You're the legal and moral 
guardian of your children. You are responsible for them until they are grown. Not just in the legal sense of our particular countries and the age, you know, cutoff in which you're no longer responsible. Like, oh, you're responsible for 18 years and then you no longer need to parent. Not just in that kind of surface level responsibility, but on a deeper level of responsibility as well. When we usher a soul into the world, however they came in through adoption or through biology, um, we are taking them under our wing. Just like most mammals guide their children in how to survive in the world, how to get food, how to not get eaten by a predator, how to build a nest or a home or whatever. We're mammals too. And when we form a family, part of that formation is about being the leader, being the, you know, the head of the pack. Being the leader of our families means that we actually have to step into a role of authority. And so if we don't, we are abdicating our roles. We're actually not being the parents our children need. So not only are we legally responsible, but also I think that we are socially responsible for our children and emotionally responsible and physically responsible because the fact is that our children's brains are not yet developed. It's obvious to us that we are authority over a newborn baby, right? We don't even think of it that way. But when you have a newborn baby, you decide everything. You decide what they're going to wear you decide where they're going to sleep, you decide what you're going to feed them, you decide the agenda for their entire day, their whole lives, you decide who they're going to see, how you're going to speak to them, what music they're going to listen to, where they're going to go, all of the decisions. You're the complete, total, and utter leader of that newborn. And in respectful parenting, in Rye and in other schools of thought, we encourage and we are encouraged as parents to communicate with our newborns and to try and, you know, really heed their cues and answer them and to be more of a conversation, to soften the one-sidedness of that authority, of that leadership, that we're the only ones deciding, to soften that by really trying to listen to their cues. So when we practice elimination communication, for example, we let the child lead us. Oh, you need to pee? Great, I can see your signals. Let me remove your diaper. Let me take you to the potty and let you pee. Oh, you're, you're cueing that you're hungry. You're crying or fussing or rooting for the breast. You must be hungry. Let me feed you. So the more respectful and peaceful a parenting philosophy, the more we want to attune to and respond to the baby, baby's cues so that we're less pushing them around our agenda, telling them when to eat, when to sleep, what to do. But it's more of a conversation and, and a collaboration. And yet, we are still the authority figure. We are still responsible for making choices for them. We still need to buckle them into the car seat, even when that's not what they led us to do, when that wasn't their preference. We still need to give them medication when that may not be the preference, but it's a decision we have to make for them. 
and sometimes force upon them. We may have to put a diaper on them or clothing on them or snowsuit on them, even when that's not what they want. And anyone who's struggled with any kind of medical condition knows there are many things that you might have to put your child through, such as different therapies, medications, um, even surgeries, etc., that they didn't want to do. It wasn't their leadership. It wasn't their choices. It wasn't their decision-making. It was yours. Why? Because you are the parent and you're the authority. So is authority harsh? I mean, I have to argue, no, authority is necessary. Leadership is necessary. Their brains are underdeveloped, uh, you know, exactly as they should be, but their brains are going to be developing for the next couple of decades and more, right? The latest research is saying that we only really reach full adulthood in terms of our prefrontal cortex at the age of 25. Many of us were parents at that time. And yet we have to own and consider and be considerate and thoughtful of the fact that our children's brains are underdeveloped. And it is unfair, in my opinion, and irresponsible to put the onus of decision-making and choice onto them. Not only are their brains underdeveloped in terms of making choices, but they don't have experience. They don't have life experience. They don't know what will happen if they stay in front of the TV for 10 hours a day. They don't have the experience or the insight or the knowledge to understand the consequences of all of their actions. They don't know what will happen if they neglect to brush their teeth or if they don't take the medication. All they know is at this moment, that's what they want, but they don't have foresight. They don't have long-term thinking right now as little kids. It will develop. All of these things will develop gradually. If we don't step into authority, it's an abdication of our role. And it's also leaving our children, you know, it's throwing them in the deep end, which is not advisable. When we learn to swim, we need to learn gradually, right? We get in, we slowly get comfortable. We get comfortable putting our face in, getting wet. We get comfortable, you know, doggy paddle a little bit. And when we are fully strong swimmers, we can go in the deep end. Throwing a child in the deep end is dangerous, When we abdicate our role as the authority figure in their lives, we are throwing them in the deep end. We are saying, go on, be an adult. You're ready, just swim. And they're not. They're going to flounder. They're going to be extremely stressed and maybe they'll survive it. But why would we do that to them? We're the adults. We have the developed brains. We have the life experience. We have the long-term goal thinking. We have the foresight. We have the understanding and the information that we are able to process around what happens if we let them hit other kids or, you know, neglect their bodies or do things that are dangerous or, you know, not wear their car, their car um, seat belt. We know what the consequences of those actions are and they don't. So if we don't step into authority and many, children, many parents don't, then we fall into permissiveness. And there are some schools of parenting that actually encourage this, right? Encourage not stepping into authority and encourage democracy at home 
or, or more than democracy, encourage the idea that children should be the leaders, that children's opinions are even held higher than the parents. And I have friends who parent this way, and I love and respect them. And I disagree with this particular element of the parenting because I feel that it's slightly unfair on their children and on the parents too, but on the children, because I know they're doing it for their children, but I don't think it benefits them. And the reason is because of what I've just outlined here. A long time ago, I was kind of beguiled and and seduced by this idea of democratic, you know, complete, radical, whole life unschooling parenting, where children get to make any decision they want. And I'm not talking about the types of unschoolers who still have, you know, boundaries and limits and that they hold those boundaries and limits empathically. I'm talking about the types of radical unschoolers who don't. Or even if they're not unschoolers, parents who send their children to school, for example, but are completely permissive, do what you want, fine, you decide, right, that type of thing, or I can't control you, you just do whatever you want and give up in, you know, in the parenting. For example, the mom who wrote to me recently who said she can't buckle her kid in the car seat because he cries when she does right? Parents who are afraid of an emotional fallout because they'll hold a boundary are uncomfortable with their authority. And this might be you, especially if your parents were overly authoritarian, right? If your parents were very punitive and scary, you might feel like you can't hold any boundary. You can't say no or yes to anything because it feels like... (laughs) You just don't want to be that way. You don't want to scare your children and then you don't know what to do. So you just say yes to everything. Or you may have had permissive parents and you're just following suit, right? You never saw how people can hold a boundary and how, you know, you were maybe kind of very enmeshed or or, or even neglected. Maybe there was no authority figure in your life and no one was there to lead you and you don't know what that looks like. And so it's hard for you to do that today. So when our kids don't want to, you know, go in the car seat or go somewhere with us or help out around the house or learn something that we need them to learn or take care of their bodies or, you know, behave in a safe way or all of those things, we might just completely let it go. So what can we do? What can we do when we are trying to be the authority, but we also want to be kind and firm and loving and we don't want to feel uncomfortable with leadership. A few years ago, I wrote to Janet Lansbury and asked her what her opinion was about this this approach to completely loose parenting, right? Parenting that parents by democracy, right? Where we view our children as 100% equal, not in terms of their value, which of course I view my children as equal to me in terms of their value, but also in terms of being decision makers, and leaders in the family. And she said, children need parents. They feel no real freedom without boundaries. Let me just repeat that. They feel no real freedom without boundaries. They are not little adults with the maturity to make healthy and thoughtful and sensible decisions about screen use or sugar intake, etc. And I found that really helpful because I was getting kind of seduced by this idea that children are little adults and they should be allowed to forge their own path and learn from their own mistakes. And therefore, I made the jump from that to they should be given complete freedom 
over their screen usage, their sugar intake, how they spend their time when they go to bed, all of the different boundaries and, and, and behaviors that we can guide them on, I thought, well, perhaps we shouldn't. But what I've learned to see and believe is that having a leader and having clarity around the expectations of the home is liberation. Um, you know, I shouted out our bliss families just a few minutes ago. And one of the things that really struck me was that when we held our retreat in Costa Rica, we had very clear expectations and very clear um, guidelines. We had a schedule in place. We had kind of steps to follow to drop your kids off at the childcare. And then you go to yoga and then you go to the workshop with me. And in the evening you have a date night and we're going on this excursion to see the sea turtles at this time. And everything was very planned out. And I was wondering if people would feel frustrated that they didn't have more freedom and that they would want more, you know, to decide their own schedules. And if they would feel kind of manhandled, you know, but the interesting thing was, whilst maybe some people took a day off and did whatever they wanted on that day, most people thanked us for having that clarity around what was going to happen and how they should spend their time. Because they said, you know, when we go on vacation, usually we're not sure, should we go to the pool now? Should we go to the beach? Should we go on this excursion? Or should I go to the gym? And they have to plan their own day. And it gets a little exhausting and overwhelming when you're not sure how to plan the day and what to do with your time and how to best utilize it. And they said, it was so great to be on a vacation where it was planned for you. There was enough free time to do what we wanted, but it was basically planned for us and we didn't have to worry about that. And I thought that's so interesting and that's so similar to parenting. Yes, we want to offer a lot of freedom, but we also want to give them the liberation of knowing that someone else is driving this thing. Someone's in the driver's seat and you're free to look out the window and just enjoy the ride. And so just like we bring a newborn home and with a full authority without any question that that is our role, that we need to choose what clothes to put them in and what nanny to hire for them and what daycare and what school and all these different decisions gradually and slowly throughout the early years. I think that's a gradual process just like everything else where we are still the authority figures over our toddlers and our preschoolers and our elementary school kids and our teenagers and we slowly, slowly let go of more and more decisions and choices into the hands of our children but it's a gradual process. You know, eventually we have no authority anymore. Eventually we are not their leaders. Eventually we let go. But that needs to happen really gradually and in conversation, in communication, in tandem with our children taking on that, that responsibility. So I am not for a moment advocating for helicoptering, for overprotection. I am not for a moment suggesting that you should, you know, make every decision or control your child. But I am suggesting that we must get comfortable being the authority figure. So three ways to do that. The first is to give choice and freedom over the smaller things. Not overwhelm our children with choice of, oh, what do you want to do today? What do you want to do this year, right? Maybe with their, you know, a class. Do you want to go to judo? Yes or no? 
But even that, maybe we need to decide we're going and giving it a try and then really supporting our children through it. I've given the example of swimming as something that was non-negotiable in my home. Everybody needs to learn to swim. So I register them for the class and I'm not asking their opinions. Do you want to swim? I'll ask their opinions about maybe picking out a bathing suit or about, you know, smaller things like that. What snack do you want after you swim or whatever? But we are going to go swimming. And now it's my role to support you and lead you in acclimating and adjusting and succeeding in that process. Maybe we are going to learn to read or maybe we are going to learn a second language or maybe we are going to travel or help you know, clear the table or put our clothes in the laundry. Maybe there are things that you are deciding, and I hope there are things that you are deciding that we do in this family and that we expect you to do. And then you're applying the warmth and support in helping your child to succeed with that. So I would give choices only in the smaller things. And as children ask for it, they start to differentiate when they're toddlers, right? Start to find a sense of themselves, me, mine, And they might not want to wear something or drink something or do something. And that's the place to start offering some choice. Okay, you don't want the water in this sippy cup. What cup do you want it in, etc. But not giving giant choices to young children that simply overwhelm them. They don't have the brain development or the information or the life experience to make good choices. Like, no, I don't want to learn to swim. Well, they don't realize that that's dangerous for them to not know how to swim. And then that puts immense pressure on their parents to constantly watch over them in any place that there might be a body of water because it's extremely frightening. They don't realize the full extent of the price that the family needs to pay for them not knowing how to swim. I'm just giving one example, right? Depending on where you live, this may or may not be true. So the same goes for anything we want our children to do. Let's give them choices over the things that we are fine with either way. I don't mind which t-shirt you wear. I don't mind which dance class you choose. I don't mind, you know, if you want to read this book or that book. Um, There are plenty of places we can give a lot of choice, but let's not overwhelm them with all the choices at once. Not all the choices that an 18 year old say would have at the age of three or four. I I have friends who don't do anything without getting buy-in from their very young children. Do you want to go to the park? Do you want to have a play date? Do you want to go outside? Do you want to take a swim lesson? Do you want to eat lunch? And I find it extremely overwhelming for the child, not to mention that the parent is so limited by the whims of very young children who don't have the foresight to understand what it means if they skip their nap or if they don't go outside in the morning. They don't understand that, oh, you know what? It's going to rain this afternoon. This is our chance to get outside and get some vitamin D and some fresh air and move our bodies. That's the place where we need to be the leaders. We are going outside now. And then we need to apply playfulness and joy and connection to make it a great experience together. Not, you know, pulling our children along and forcing them. It's our adult decision that we're going to learn to read. But how we do it, when we do it, the cadence, the connection, the fun, all of that is, is up to us to make sure that, it, that it's attractive, that it's joyful. I don't see that as manipulation. I see that as leadership. So the second thing is to get really comfortable with the role of being the boss of the family. My son likes to say to me, you're not the boss of me. And to which I reply, 
no, I'm not your boss, but I am your parent. And it's my job to keep you safe and healthy. And I want to make a note here, which is that it is not my job to keep you happy. The boss and the leader does not have to keep everybody happy, but they do have to keep everybody safe and healthy. And so it is my decision if you wear a car, uh, a seatbelt, I keep saying car seat, if you go in the car seat or if you wear a seatbelt, I will force you to wear your seatbelt, even physically. And that's uncomfortable for me and I don't enjoy it, but it's my role. I have to get comfy with that. I have to be okay with that. It is my job to make sure that you don't stuff yourself with sugar all day. And I know a lot of people are going to write to me that I shouldn't moralize food and that, you know, children will self-regulate. Not in my experience, not my children. And I'm not willing to pay the price of them eating only sugary foods for months and months to learn that lesson. Personally, I'm not comfortable with that. Maybe one day I'll change my mind. I'll let you know if I do. But for now, I feel that it is my job to teach you healthy eating habits as much as possible. Not in a, you know, not, I'm not extreme. You know, we have definitely, we allow our kids sugar as well and snacks and processed foods. We're not strict and we're not religious about it, but I think it is my job to make sure you're not abusing your body. I'm not, it's my job to make sure that you're not binging on anything, not binging on screens, not binging on food, not binging on exhaustion and, and making sure that you get your sleep. I feel that that is my role as the leader. I connect to that gibbon who was, you know, ushering her child out of the way when he was behaving in a way that wasn't okay. I think that's my job too. If you're calling names, if you're talking back, if you're hitting, if you're having trouble connecting with other kids and being kind to them, it's my job to sort that out and to make it clear to you that I won't allow you to bite or hit or kick. And if you do, I'll remove you because I am the authority here. I'm the leader of this family. And the final thought I want to leave you with is to view leadership as an act of generosity. Because when you are an empathic, firm leader, children can relax because they know that there's someone at the helm. There's someone there to catch them when their big feelings get out of control. There's someone there to direct them when they're not sure how to act. There's someone there to help them navigate tricky social situations and to help keep them safe. The world is very big and very scary and full of so many choices for such a small person who doesn't understand it all, who can't read, who can't understand the consequences, who doesn't know why people might get mad about things or why things might fail. And so they need a guide. If you go to a foreign country and you're in a scary new place, like a rainforest, and there are snakes and monkeys, etc. And I'm speaking from experience because I've just got back to co from Costa Rica and we went on a rainforest tour, you know, a hike, and it was amazing. And we went and we walked on these swinging, hanging bridges, you know, 50 meters above the, the treetops. Very high, very scary for me. I'm not one for heights. And we're walking along these hanging bridges and I felt okay because we had a guide, a local guide who knew these parts like the back of his hand, who could tell me that the bridges were safe and who could look me in the eye and could show me that he was confident and who could tell me, please don't touch that and please walk only here and here's what you need to bring and here's what you need to do. And that guide liberated me to enjoy my rainforest hike. Otherwise, I would have been very scared about our safety and about conduct. But I had a guide, so I was okay. We need to be that guide for our children. A guide 
is very comfortable with their authority. They're comfortable telling you, do not touch that tree because that could be full of scorpions. Do not step over here because we're not allowed off this path. Wait your turn on the bridge. Walk fast or walk slow. A guide will tell us what is expected. And if we aren't behaving in accordance to the guide's rules, they'll probably remove us from the premises to keep us and everybody else safe. And so... We need to worry about all these big decisions, like what we do today, what school we go to, where to live, what we eat in our house, how we treat screens, how we treat bedtimes. We need to be the ones to shoulder that burden, to take that on for our children and to be comfortable being an authority figure in their lives. We're not a scary authority figure. We're not a punishing authority figure. We're kind, we're supportive, and we're there for them and there to catch them when they fall. That is what authority means to me. So I would love to hear your thoughts and feelings on this over at theparentingjunkie.com forward slash 33. Leave me any questions or comments you have, any clarifications. I would love to continue this conversation with you there. Thanks for listening to The Parenting Junkie Show. If this was helpful for you, I would be so appreciative if you would subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Subscribing to the show means you'll get the bonus episodes that I only deliver here. And when you rate and review the show, it helps other parents find it. I'll be shouting out some of my favorite reviews in upcoming episodes and would love to spotlight you. And remember, keep on loving parenting and parenting from love. Namaste.